going on beautiful people this is jovan miller and you're listening to the latest installment of the give it context podcast hope everybody's doing well this is probably going to be one of my favorite discussions moving forward especially in the current day and age we're in regarding a lot of these you know uh current athletes and their social platforms. So today we're going to be talking about, in this episode at least, a very important question. And before I actually get into the details and maybe some of the the context of what we're going to be talking about, once I ask you this question, and this will be the name of the podcast episode, I want you to discuss this with whoever you're listening to it you know, listening to it with and uh feel free to drop me some questions as well do you believe that social media should affect potential scholarship opportunities that's a good question isn't it like i said before we're in a very unique stage and space right now, especially regarding social media. And we have a lot of situations, especially now, um, in the Twitterverse in particular, where we have current professional athletes that have had some of their more venomous, you know, tweets of the past, you know. Uh, come to light. Now, I don't know if I take that take that away from these you know these uh, athletes, but should it that should it come into consideration at some point in time that we should see what you know the person we're following or anything of that nature is up to when they're away from you know the playing field or court. It's a really good question, and I've been having a few discussions about this, and I'm going to give you some examples recently of some of these situations that have not only just came to light, but some of these things are actually current issues in which an athlete got called out or an athlete you know, had to answer a whole bunch of questions that they weren't really ready to answer because of things that they tweeted or spoke about some years prior. And that doesn't take away from, you know, what it took for those players to get to where they are. But I do believe that it's very important at some point in time that we do look at some of these players, look at some of these athletes or whatever. And we have to start asking ourselves, is this truly worth it? Is this truly worth putting out there, especially... If we don't want to be questioned about it or checked about it later. Now, when I was in college, I went to Syracuse uh, from 2007 to 2011. There was no Instagram at that point in time. 
uh, the most, it seemed like the most prevalent use of anything was Twitter. Twitter was really, really, you know, taking over at that point in time. So for the most part, if you really were trying to grow anything, that was the place you went. Or not grow anything, but if you want to have an opinion, which I'm really starting to see more than anything, is that uh, I'm a middle school teacher by trade. And a lot of these kids, as we know, they're, you know, nice dainty kids with the halo over their head. And then they have these platforms such as a Snapchat or a Twitter, you know, accounts, and maybe they'll make up some fake account where, let's be honest, they're in their element. They can say, not can say, but they, you know, choose to say, you know, really what's on their mind at that point in time. I think we have to, we're in a very scary space now with how social media is, especially today. And I, and again, this is just more of a, a question that I think that there's there's a, a level of understanding on both sides that I can understand why somebody would say from a tweeting perspective, I would hope that you don't think exactly the same way when you were, what, 14 or 15 years old, as opposed to when you were 25 or 26. However, in my personal opinion, I believe it depends on the content of what you're talking about. As we know, and if you didn't know, I'm going to give you a little bit of a heads up on how racism works or prejudice works. Racism is this made-up idea of an ethnocentric mindset that one color or somebody truly thinks that the other one, other group of people, whoever that group of people is, is not as good as they are. So they're literally ranking who is more important or whatever the case is. Prejudice, if you break up the word pre, that's before, that, you know, acronym there means, you know, before, and then judge, prejudice. So without giving somebody a chance, you're already thinking maybe the worst of their kind. So prejudice is something that, number one, is not only an, an American ideal, but that's just an ideal that seems to be prevalent across all different you know, color barriers and everything. And, and that's such a, a hindrance to, number one, who we are as people. But let's just be clearly clear and honest. There's got to be a level of truth in some of the things that we say. One of the things that has driven me crazy that uh, I've noticed over the course of these last few months in particular is you'll get these players, you'll get these athletes who are called out for some of the things that they've said. And the first thing that they'll say is, that's not who I am. I'm going to share a very interesting story with you guys because I think... I think it's worth noting. The most important man to me besides my father um, is a white man named Terry Sparks. Terry Sparks was my middle school basketball coach. And I always say this, and I know it sounds really, really weird, but uh, he saved me from hating 
white people. Now, it's very, very uh, personal, and I'll give a context of, you know, why I brought up him being white. It's because I went to an all-white school. Um, A number of times when I was at the school, I would have these racial incidents or whatever the case was, and I didn't have anybody to turn to. When um, I came of age, I had a situation that happened to me when I was in the school where... I was one of, I'm going to say, six black kids at the school at that time, at that middle school. And uh, put it like this, um, there was a joke that I really didn't like. And I was incredibly, incredibly offended, and I wanted to do something about it. But I had this guy, Mr. Sparks, that would always, number one, he would talk me out of those initial bad decisions and he would just try to put things in perspective for me, which I always appreciated. And like I said, I felt like in some way, shape or form that he actually really did save me from hating white people because a number of the times when I would be going through these things, I was seen as a threat. You know, I had ill will, bad intentions, and like I said, that's a pre, that's a prejudice, you know, ideal and, and thought process. I bring that up for this very simple reason. There was absolutely no social media at that point in time. So a lot of these athletes, when they say, not only that's not who I am, they'll say I was young. I'm very appreciative of the fact that social media was not around when I was in seventh and eighth grade. Because I think about some of the things that I had went through at that point in time, especially on the racist on the racial side, and I would hate to be reminded at twenty nine years old now of something that I said when I was in seventh or eighth grade, but like I said, it depends on the content it depends on what you're talking about. Anything along racial lines has to be understood as. You don't wake up one day and just automatically say those things. And it's not about tolerance. And it's damn sure not about acceptance. It's about indifference. When you say some of these things, they should be taken more seriously than others. And the one thing I always try to think about and I, I always try to tell kids is that some of these situations have footprints that you can't erase. It's wet cement that you're stepping in that they had and they've run out of cement. So if you step in, you know, you step in some of these social media traps or you say something that you don't want out there and it's out there. When you walk away, your footprint is still there and they can always revert, revert back to the time when you said something that maybe you were saying in the moment. But here's what we know about saying things in the moment. You usually express your first reaction. is not always the right one. But it's the truest one. So, a very interesting example of this, and this is actually a more recent history, if you remember, I'm going to say last year, there's a picture for the Milwaukee Brewers in Major League Baseball by the name of Josh Hader. Now, Josh Hader, 
as a relief pitcher. And actually, if I'm not mistaken, he's darn he's pretty good too. Made the All Star game. Um, he's, you know, he's no scrub. There's there's no no scrub in this man. He obviously is a very accomplished player. And what's more and more uh, of an interest when it comes to me is how easily it seems that society seems to gloss over racial tweets of the past. It may be homophobia or anything of that nature. Not to say that those aren't important issues as well, but I think about, if you think about the sport of baseball as opposed to maybe a basketball or football, from this perspective, a very high-end baseball player has the option of going to college or not. And if they choose not to, they go through the farm system, work their way up, and eventually they're in the big leagues. If things go if things go according to plan, of course. Now, in most cases, and most of these very, very pre- you know, prevalent cases now, you need, and I say need with quotes around it, to attend college for at least one year. Here's what we know about college basketball in particular, college football in particular. They're sliding scale sports. From this perspective, if I'm a top you know, 20 recruit coming out of high school and I go into college, more than likely I'm going to go and play professionally the next year. Because, hey, what's the value of an education when, you know, even if I go through all the schooling, I'm never going to make, you know, 20% of what I can make as a professional basketball player or football player. But that's neither here nor there. So, you know, in many of those cases, as basketball players, they're going to go for one year and they're going to go on to the professional level. The sliding scale comes with football because you cannot leave college until after your third year. So maybe you redshirt and then you play two years, you know, so you have a redshirt freshman and then sophomore year and you're good enough to play professionally and you want to declare. Well, by that time, it's more about your physical strength, your body um, getting adjusted, depending on what position you play, and they'll give you the opportunity to go on to play at the next level. But you have to be there for three years. Now, this all ties into exactly what the issue is. And I ask of those listening, I ask of anybody that'll more than likely we'll have this conversation at another day because I think this will be a two-part series. But I ask this of those listening. At what age does a mistake cost a man or female a scholarship? i ask it again. At what age does a mistake cost a man or a woman a scholarship. And I'll actually add a little bit more to that question. What offenses get second chances and which ones don't? Now, a few weeks ago, 
I actually not a few weeks ago, a few months ago, I spoke about the ethics in sports. Having situations where, for example, you have somebody who um, who got away, I'll say technically got away with sexual assault, didn't serve time, had a great lawyer, and gets on to play in their profession. And I'm also noticing the inconsistencies. This is not about a justice system, but this is about the rhetoric that surrounds an athlete as opposed to other job descriptions, a lawyer, a doctor, you know, other highly professional occupations, they're not held to the same standard. So when an athlete does any of the things, for example, like I said, sexual assault or whatever, what's the first thing you hear from their opposers, those who don't have all the information? They shouldn't play anymore. This is a privilege. They shouldn't. But that sliding scale should go with every single occupation, not just athletes. So if you're going to hold an athlete to such a high standard, shouldn't we be able to document what kind of kid we're getting when they come to our college or university? I'm going to give you the Josh Hader situation and some of his tweets once upon a time. He had one in particular where he speaks about, not even speaks about, let's just be honest, he just tweets out white power with a white fist. Now, feel free to tell me at some point in time that that's okay. Feel free. Because it was young. But I'm having a harder time trying to understand when he says to one of his friends, I guess he was tweeting at at one point in time, and this is in 2011, he had said, he said, to somebody, again, I don't, I'm not going to go through their actual profile on this, but he says, too bad I'm effing grounded, nigger. Can't do SHIT. So, by the way, Josh Hader is white. And at this point in time, when they looked at all of these tweets, I found it very surprising and interesting that uh, his next time on the mound, he got a standing ovation from the fans. Now, I don't know if, whether this is a double standard or not, but I'm really confused as to, I always think about in his situation, where he also tweeted in 2011, I hate gay people. So, you know this kid's history, but he's a good pitcher. And here's what we know about sports. If you do a service or you are better than somebody else with a particular skill, your sliding scale of acceptance is a lot higher. Your tolerance is a lot higher because you do something better than the next guy or girl. So 
I think about Josh Hader's story and I say, hmm, if he had to go to a college where his sport to get to the professional level is dependent on going to college at least for one year, would the admission staff look at that and say, or would the athletic department look at that and say, I don't know if we want this kid in our buildings? Just something to think about. I have a few more examples, but here's the thing I always get a little bit confused over. At the end of the day, the aspiring doctor that goes to a college or university is always going to get a different perspective of the college or university because they're going to be in the library more. They're going to be in a lot of these different spaces more often than that of a college athlete. Student athletes, obviously, you're at your facility, you have tutors, um, legitimate tutors, not the ones who do all your work for you. Um, And you're in situations where a lot of times you're going to be around other athletes. In our case, again, I look at some of the stuff that these, these fellows have said, not to say that I'm crazy about them, but I ask a lot of these college and universities, is that something that you want in your building, knowing that it could affect the image of your university? If your answer is no to some of those things, then why, when you look up a background check, when you do a background check, you don't also look at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'll share a very interesting story with you at the end of this podcast episode. And you're going to realize just how effed up the world is. It doesn't mean that there aren't situations where they do their due diligence or colleges, universities don't do their due diligence or where they do and where they actually catch somebody before, you know, something major happens. So, like I said, I'll tell that at the end. I also want to ask of the people listening is, where is the sliding scale for the freedom of speech? I saw a lacrosse story um, of a few years ago where a head coach of a university told a young man who was a Second Amendment supporter. Um, and if you don't know what the Second Amendment is, that is the right to uh, own guns. And, you know, it's very wordy, but basic you know form of it is to own guns and where he literally told this kid this young man that if he wanted to play on his team he would have to take down all of his posts regarding guns and his support of the second amendment That's my most most interesting, the most interesting thing to me always comes down to where is that sliding scale of freedom of speech? We've had, for example, we've had standing president right now call for, you know, players who protested the national anthem as SOBs and they should be deported. 
But we've also had a number of KKK rallies and such where you don't hear nearly this rhetoric. And we've also had situations just recently where it seems like freedom of speech is no longer in the and is speaking at all at any point in time when we have these situations. So that was really just more or less an example of the sliding scale of where we are, especially as a an American society when it comes to the social media world. So I believe if you are in the realm of not only accusation, but there are actual fact, and that's important, there are actual proof that you have committed a crime that has to do with a breaking of, number one, the law or a code of conduct of this college university, that obviously should be taken into consideration. Now, if we're talking about, for example, okay, underage drinking or something of that nature, those are forgivable offenses. But what about the young lady out there who sexually assaulted at a party? We got to talk about that. Because it seems, it seems to me, especially nowadays, that's happening way more than we really are truly willing to admit. I want to ask everybody who especially who aspires to go to college, is character a part of getting into college? When you write an admittance letter, you have to tell them you're selling yourself. Hey, you know, um, I've walked 12 people across, 12 elderly people across the street. I've opened every door for every woman ever, even if she wasn't my girlfriend. I love my mom. Whatever the case is, you're doing everything in your power to sell yourself as a good person. In in most cases, that very much may be the case. You are a great person. However, when these colleges and universities are looking at it, they look at, are you a part of, how many social groups are you a part of? Uh, Are you you included or do you participate in anything through the school? Um, Have you started initiatives at your school? Those are things that make them more liable to say, you know, to accept you to that school. And sports is completely different. Are you good enough? And based on your SAT, ACT, and your GPA, are you able to get into school? We could care less about anything else. If you think I'm lying, please. Like I said, I got bars for days. So we're going through a whole different, you know, realm. We're going through a whole different agenda or checklist for getting into a school as opposed to our, you know, student, you know, our regular student body. So I'm going to use a few examples and we'll get up, we'll get up out of here. This one actually rubbed me the wrong way and it rubbed me the wrong way, like really, really badly. Um, if you remember, this was uh, another situation where I really, I'm not going to lie. I, um, I number one, cringed for a few reasons. Number one, he was white. Uh, and number two, he plays on a, he, he plays in a predominantly black city and a predominantly black sport. With 
with a predominantly black team. So in 2013, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm pretty sure it was 2013, Riley Cooper was playing for the Philadelphia Eagles. And if you don't know the history of Philadelphia, of course, they've been known to have not exactly the best fans or anything like that. But Riley Cooper was in training camp, and Riley Cooper attended a, I'm going to say a Kenny Chesney? Yeah, Kenny Chesney concert. And, of course, we all have the other alibi of, well, I was drunk, but he's on video, clear as day, facing everything, saying into a video camera, I'll fight every nigger over there. I don't know what actually spurred that reaction, but here's what we know about Twitter and Instagram videos, anything like that. Once it's out there, it's out there forever. You can't get it back. As a reaction to what he said and what he did, Chip Kelly, who was a coach at the time, thought it would be a good idea for him to go to sensitivity training. I'm very confused with the sensitivity training stuff is like, what is the actual meaning of sensitivity training after you've done something? Like, wouldn't you want to do the sensitivity training before something happens? Something that's, you know, so unforgivable, something to the point where you say, okay, you know what? I really don't know if we can keep this guy on our team. But to sit there and loft it as, you know what, he made a mistake, let's move on. I go again to what offenses deserve second chances. So Riley Cooper in the middle of training camp gets the opportunity to go to sensitivity training for three days. So I want everybody to understand is if he was drunk, the saying goes is, a drunk man's words are a sober man's thoughts. Which means he didn't wake up on that morning and just start thinking this. That is deeply entrenched in his fabrics. Now, I'm not calling him racist. I'm just simply saying is, is you don't have thoughts like that out of nowhere. Three days, sensitivity training. He comes back. And literally, they have video of him standing by himself because all of his black teammates will not stand next to him or anything of that nature. It's out there forever. I keep telling these kids this. It's out there forever. Another story. And actually, I was living in Europe when this one happened. And I remember looking at this and saying, wow, that is bad. And I don't even know if this guy actually technically even still plays right now. I'm going to say, I think, I think that was literally the end of it for him. But um, it was a catcher. And I'm going to say, this is in at least 2000, I'm going to say 2015 or 16. It might have been 16 before I had just moved back to, uh, came back to the States. But anyway, I was in, I was in the UK for a year when I had heard about the situation with this catcher 
Steve Clevenger. Now, the one thing you'll notice about people when they get caught uh, in their very, very deepest thoughts is that here's one piece of advice that I would give to any of you kids. If it's something that's going to be on the cusp of possibly losing yourself an opportunity to play because it's so racist or so venomous in its nature, don't get on a social media avenue and say anything. Like, if you're going to be racist, just be in the closet racist. If you're going to be prejudiced, be in the closet prejudiced. But as soon as you put some of this stuff out there, it can, there you, you can't bring it back. It can never, ever come back. Now, that being said, Steve Clevenger, I'm not going to say called himself, but Steve Clevenger was so upset with the riots that were happening in Charlotte, North Carolina. By the way, that's where I reside now is Charlotte, North Carolina. Steve Clevenger thought it would be a good idea to, when he was watching those riots and such, had such an issue that he went to Twitter. One of his tweets at that point in time was black people beating whites when a thug got shot holding a gun by a black officer. Ha, ha, ha. Shit cracks me up. Keep kneeling for the anthem. Exclamation point. Now, how the two correlate, you tell me. Another tweet he said, Black Lives Matter is pathetic once again. Obama, you are pathetic once again. Everyone involved should be locked behind bars like animals. Don't fail to mention the fact that, yes, Steve Clevenger is white. Now, what happened as a result of Steve Clevenger was that shortly after that, and we're talking in the realm of about two like hours, his account went from public to private, and all those tweets were deleted. I need people to understand deleting a tweet does not automatically absolve you of whatever the internal issues that you have with a group of people or maybe your stance on a number of controversial issues. That does not change the fabrics of who you are. All I ask of those people is be willing to have that conversation because it actually gives you, it gives us, those on the, you know, the willingness to cross that bridge, a better understanding of why you may feel that way. You have to be willing to get uncomfortable for us to get understanding. So when Steve Clevenger did what he did, the only thing that I could see was a man who was in his most deepest fabrics, a racist man. He just saw something that was so out enraging to the point where he couldn't hold it anymore. That's his own shortcoming, but don't delete your tweets and everything and then play it off like you didn't know. That's my issue. Just recently, a few days ago, no, a few days ago, excuse me, I'm sorry. 
a few years ago, or not a few years ago, but technically last year, uh, let me give it the proper context. Last year, Josh Allen, the starting quarterback of the Buffalo Bills in the National Football League, got called to the carpet for tweets that he had re- he had said back from 2012. He had said he had a few things he had said in particular that really kind of was interesting to me. But first of all, Josh Allen, also a white athlete, Josh Allen was using the N bomb in a number of tweets, but in particular, one I want to you know bring to light was, "Why are you so white? If it ain't white, it ain't right!" Exclamation point. Now, I'm not saying he's a white power. I'm not saying you know a white supremacist or a white nationalist or whatever the going terms are, especially in 2019. For well, let's just be honest. <laughs> You're part of some racist systemic group. I'm not gonna call. I'm not. I'm not saying any of that stuff about him. I just want to know: Are these mistakes that he said and didn't mean, or he didn't mean for them to get out? That's my question. Now, in 2012, if I'm not mistaken, he was about to be in college. He got drafted last year, which means. Yeah, he was still technically in high school at the time when he said these things. And I want to let somebody I heard this a few weeks ago, and it's so true. Parents out there, I need you to understand that your son or daughter is not as naive as you think they are. They're watching. They're listening. They're, they're, in, you know, they're digesting this world in their own eyes now. They're not seeing it through yours, but you and what you say is enhancing whatever those beliefs are. I just want to keep that in mind. So when Josh Allen said what he said, the issue that I really had is that he comes with the that's not who I am statement. I was young. And here's the other one. We make mistakes. I want to actually decipher what we make mistakes means. It means I said what I said didn't mean for it to get out. I meant every word. I just didn't think you would hear me say it. Josh Allen played three years at Wyoming, University of Wyoming. And like I said, he was drafted number seven overall to the Buffalo Bills. So he's entering his second year. Fan base and all that stuff, listen, I have to ask, what are your standards for the face of a franchise? And why are these not being taken into deeper consideration, especially at college level? Their representation of your school, your college, your university. The more you allow these certain these kinds of situations, they only allude to the fact that you're telling society that as long as you have these athletic gifts, I am willing to accept those things and accept the backlash because of what they do. All depending on what we deem 
to be most important or not important. And in closing, I want to ask this question to uh, the listeners. And once again, thank you so much for this opportunity. Is saying everything that's on your mind, is it worth the backlash? There are certain issues where it's very easy for most people to come to agreement on. Like if a woman, you know, uh, you know, anything of the domestic nature, getting a woman being hit or being sexually assaulted, those are very easy things for most people to get on board with. Seems like racial divides are one of those where it's very, very murky for a lot of people because they're not sure as to how relevant their opinion is going to be in the grand scheme of things. And I think what's most important is to make sure that when you choose to support these things, if you're going to say something, please be willing to meet across the the pew with the next person and have that conversation. Don't put stuff out there without the willingness to actually sit down, have conversations, or be questioned about your perspective. I think this would be a two-part series because I actually do have a lot more I'd like to share on it, but I want you also to understand this, and this is actually more from a kid's perspective. Colleges and universities, especially athletic departments, are not interested in, or they claim to be, but in most cases, because of recruiting, the sport doesn't end once you stop playing there. So they may think you're a cool, you're a nice kid and everything like that, but you're only there for a very finite amount of time before the next person comes through that door. Just remember, as an athlete, you provide a service. All the other stuff, the schooling and all that, is extracurricular, depending on where you go to school. But keep that in your mind. Ask yourself this. Is saying what's really on my mind, especially in a certain reaction you know, uh, after something really, really major has happened, is that worth the backlash? Emma, is it worth me saying something and as a result getting a lot of backlash for saying that thing? Because if it's not, then I'm really hoping that you stop saying those things. Stop deleting these tweets. And if you're going to say what you say, stick, stick by it. Nobody wants to be, you know, tagged in some of these things being racist or being, you know, prejudiced or anything like that. But it actually speaks to the fact of, look, when you delete those things, you're coming off as incredibly disingenuous. I want to say a special thank you to everybody listening to this. Again, Twitter and Instagram, JoviNation23, email, peaceofmind2327 at gmail.com. You've just listened to another episode of the Give a Context podcast. Should social media affect scholarship opportunities? 
Thank you for the space.